0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Christian Apologist Podcast. Today we got a very, very special episode. We are going to be joined here with an interview with Zach Seckler of Adherent Apologetics. He uh, has his own YouTube channel. You can find him pretty much on any social media platform. He's young, he's in college, but he is sharp. And we're just going to do an interview with him and see what he's all about and hear his thoughts On a lot of the topics that come up with me and a lot of uh, apologists and even Christians in general So without any further ado, let's get started. So we are just gonna dive right in. I guess just first off introduce yourself
1: Sure, um so my name is Zach Seckler. Um, I have a YouTube channel slash podcast slash like, platform on everything called Adherent Apologetics. Um, and what we do is we just look at like the intellectual side of Christianity and we talk about a lot of things like arguments for God's existence, the resurrection, uh, big theological questions, all kinds of stuff. Um, so we do all kinds of fun things, examining these big questions and talking to people who are a lot smarter than myself. Um, and yeah, so thank you for having me on, Richard. Uh, should be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, the first time I actually ever saw you was on uh, Germania. I saw you doing an interview oh. with him. And so, because uh, uh, <laughs> me and him, uh, uh, I call him my friend. I don't know him personally, but I just mm-hmm. saw a couple of his videos and I'm like, nope, that just don't sound right. So I just started commenting and he actually started commenting back. And um, You know, the craziest thing is, is and, uh, and I'm not saying this about all atheists, mm-hmm. but... For some reason, a lot of his followers, and and me and him are going to actually have a discussion, I think, in about a week or two. But a lot of his followers, like, at the end of my little comments to them, I actually have to tell them, I'm like, you might want to seek psychiatric help. Mm. Because, like, one of my last podcasts was about rape, about how, you know, does God condone rape? Because I'm sure you've heard people like, oh, God wants to rape. you know women marry the rapist and i'm like no that's not what it says but and i went into the great detail about it and actually there's this one specific guy i won't mention his name right now but he literally sits there and told me just today on a comment that the guy didn't ask to be born the guy didn't make his own mind god made his mind so therefore rapists are not at fault when they rape women And I literally just, all I could say was, I was like, that's the most idiotic thing I've ever heard. And you need psychiatric help. I'm like, there's, I don't beat around the bush. And a lot of people don't know how to take that with me. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not one of these people that I don't care if you're offended. That's just my opinion. I've always been that way. I'm like, if you're offended, you're offended. If you're not, you're not, but it just doesn't, if it doesn't make sense to me. And if it just sounds idiotic, I'm going to say it. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But." probably why um it's taking me so long to get noticed everywhere because i'm just pretty blunt on things so mm-hmm. how did you get into apologetics
1: oh yeah that's a good question um so it's it's kind of a in short what happened was um is i grew up in kind of like a Christian home my whole life and just kind of live my life and was you know more like probably like a cultural Christian, um and then you know just doing the thing and then after my sophomore year of high school someone I knew passed away in a car crash, um he just graduated and he was actually headed to the university that um, I attend now Liberty and it's just for the first time in my life I really started to think about like these really big questions like um you know like is this person is he is he in heaven is there a heaven like is there a God um is Christianity true Like, what about Islam and Judaism and all these other worldviews? Um, so that kind of got me interested in like my head turning on these big questions. Um, took some time, thought about it, and I headed into my senior year of high school about a year later, and had to do this big senior project. And I was like, not really sure what I wanted to do, but then I realized that one of the most interesting things to me was just what's true about like you know, these big worldview questions, and I just really didn't know like i thought christianity was true but it didn't i, mean, I hadn't really examined it so then i examined these worldviews i didn't know what apologetics was in, until i started doing this project and i read a few different books like i read like i don't have enough faith to be an atheist and uh, case for christ more than carpenter you know like all the classics of like apologetics and i really became convinced that this christianity stuff is true um and that through through that project and then i gave my life to christ um and that's the short of it and i just grew from there um the platform here in apologetics sort of um came as like a branch from that senior project i did and it's grown into something bigger and just amazed by um everything that's happened since then so that's a little bit about how i've gotten into like apologetics and these big questions and such
0: i forgot to unmute myself yeah. <laughs> so uh like i said i got this coughing spell so i'll try to mute it when you're talking so that way mm-hmm. if i do cough it doesn't interrupt you but, yeah, my story is kind of like the same, I guess, almost. Um, I grew up in a Christian family. I say, well, everyone except for my father. Mm-hmm. My father, he, I mean, my mom and dad were married till he passed away about, oh, let's see, this was what, 10 years ago now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was, uh, but I was a Christian, but I wasn't a Christian, I guess you could say, for maybe all the right reasons. I mean, I was a Christian just because I was told this is who Jesus is, this is what he did. And, um, I always tell people, I, I thought I was a Christian. And the reason I say that is because I believed that Jesus existed. Kind of like Frank Turk says all the time, there's a difference between believe that and believe in, always believe that he existed, always believe that he died on the cross, but I never put my faith into him all the way. And then when my father passed away 10 years ago, uh, on his deathbed, I just asked him and then. My father was a very, very quiet man. Probably all my years of my life, he, we might've spoken a handful of times. He's just quiet. Just, just sat there. And, uh, I just asked him, I said, look, I said, uh, you know, this doesn't look good. And I'm like, so I need to know, do you know who Jesus is? And all he did was look up at me and said, you know, what's between me and God it's between me and God, it's none of your business. I said, okay. So I left it alone. And then after that, for some reason, kind of like you, I just started thinking, I'm like, well, why do we believe in Jesus? Like, you know, other than faith and being, you know, this is how it is. I want to know why. And so, and I, and I was like, you. I didn't know what apologetics were exactly. um, But I was doing apologetics before I knew what apologetics was because I was constantly YouTubing Christian versus atheist and creationism versus um, evolution. And, mm-hmm. and so I just really got into it. And I really, really liked it. So out of all the, the evidences for God, what do you think is the greatest evidence for God?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, cause I think it's almost kind of hard for me to like, just choose one, because I think I look at it as kind of like a cumulative, um, thing. I think there's a few things. I, I find the idea of, personal experience, really like an interesting place to start. Um, just because I think that a lot of times we we get this idea that especially like I'll hear from like skeptics and stuff where we kind of have to prove that God exists or something along these lines, and it seems like to me like at least to like most people over time it's just seemed very evident that God exists, um, and a lot of people have claimed that like personal experiences whether it's like healings or providence or things along these lines. So I always think that like personal experience is a really good place to start because it seems like across all cultures and most of time most people have believed that God exists. And I don't think that proves it, but I just think it it carries a lot of evidential weight, um, at least in my opinion. And then from there, I think there's like really good like logical arguments. Uh, I'm really like a big fan of contingency arguments, especially like – um, Getting to like a first stage, like where we can kind of like establish that there's some sort of like necessary um, grounding to all contingent realities, such as like you and me, Richard. Um, so I like the contingency arguments. And then from there, I think there's really good things like design, because um, I think especially with like regards to like fine tuning, it seems obvious, like objective beauty. Um moral knowledge. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. There's a lot, there's a lot of fun arguments that we can dive into and talk about because there's a lot of there's a lot of things. So yeah.
0: Yeah, there is. There there's and I'm the same with you. Like when people ask me the same question, they're like, What do you think the greatest argument is? I'm like, like, if I was an atheist, if I didn't believe, I'm like, I couldn't have someone just tell me one thing and I'll be like, Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, that's true. It's it's like you said, it's everything added together it's just kind of like you can't deny all of this you know at some point you got to be like this ain't a coincidence no more this is this is a reality these are facts and and everything else but what do you think is the greatest evidence against there being a god and like how do you combat that like how do you (laughs) come back at them like well you got a good point
1: (laughs) (laughs) no yeah this is interesting um Because you can almost like with like the greatest evidence against God, like there's some theists that would be like, um, yeah, well, there's this evidence against God and we can't really combat this. But we think the evidential weight for the arguments for theism is greater. Um, So I don't really know where I stand on that, but probably the best argument um, against God would probably be something along the lines of. Um, either like some sort of like the version of problem of evil with like um animal suffering or like the simplicity of naturalism, like Graham Oppy's naturalism. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Um, but I'd probably go with like something like animal suffering because I think that it's something that is just very apparent and it's something it seems seemingly just very obvious to be um in our existence like you know like animals suffer um and, and there's all kinds of death among these species and um how, how do we answer that well it's, it's a really tough problem to answer um and i don't know if i can like debunk the problem of animal suffering in the, in a short interview here um but then like a few of the things i kind of think about with like animal suffering is one we just we don't really know how much pain animals can actually experience like we we run into this with like our own um most like the argument from consciousness where we can't experience someone else's consciousness. Like I could map out your entire brain, Richard, uh, but I could never know what your conscious experience is, is like. So I think it's in a similar lines with like animal suffering. Um, well, we I think it's apparent that animals suffer. We just don't really know to like what degree do animals actually suffer? Like, are are they conscious? Are they just like kind of like wired and like DNA and like computers almost? Like we just don't know. Um, So that's one thing. And then I think about, there's interesting ideas. Like I read this paper by Josh Rasmussen and someone else. They talk about um, how God could be potentially Um, using animal suffering and stuff um, from the past is kind of like this providential guiding to bring into this new creation um, where we have this I'm I'm framing this argument really poorly so I'd highly recommend people check out this paper if you're curious but it's kind of like this idea of they're saying like what if evolution is true and what they would say is okay so we have this like material and you know we have the big bang and there's arrangements like rearrangements of this material um, and it's progressively becoming something more beautiful and you know as the christian idea of like new creation and such so it's kind of like um they're suffering but it's going to be redeemed so that's kind of like a second theodicy and there's a bunch um my friend caleb the dry apologist has done a lot of good work on animal suffering and there's a lot of great resources out there um so that's like a couple of things on how i like combat the problem of animal suffering um so yeah there's a lot that we could talk about there
0: yeah that is crazy actually i've never heard um well, anyone's ever brought up to me about animal suffering but hmm. that is a really good point i'm gonna to have to like really look into that now because i've never really thought about it um, yeah. probably one of the biggest things i've ever had was uh just here recently and it was that guy i was telling you about and he says so why would god he goes i understand your point my he was talking about to me about my point about you know god giving us free will He goes, but you're telling me that God will allow a rapist to have free will to rape a child, but he won't help the child out with their free will because they're not having a choice. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to comment back on that one here in a minute because I don't have to think about that one. I was like, that's a good one, man. I'm like, "Ah, you know, there's there's there is there's so much evil just in the world in general that, you know, and what's sad is, you know, we don't have the answers for everything. You know, any kind of apologist doesn't have the answer for anything because, you know, the Bible says that his ways are so much higher than ours and his knowledge is so much, you know, higher than ours. And so I can't explain why he does everything he does. And so, unfortunately, and I think, well, I think apologists, their biggest downfall is sometimes they just have to say, I don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, because we don't. I mean, we can give you theories but we really don't know and it's probably not going to be a theory that's going to really make you feel any better about the subject but yeah. i mean it just is what it is but you know like a even atheists have to say i don't know sometimes like when you ask them well how did the beginning of the universe begin well we don't know you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: so it's like you know apologists can jump all over that you know just like they can jump all over us on certain things too
1: mm-hmm. i think it was like um Especially with the problem of evil, like I don't think we have this like robust, like where we understand everything and we either like we have easy answers to the problem of evil. But the way I kind of look at it is like, um, I think most people would agree, like a logical problem where you'd say, like, um, like God and suffering is just totally incompatible. Um, they'd agree that these problems kind of fail and then we're just left with these kind of theodicies, which would say, hey, you know, all other things being equal, um, here's some possible reasons why God may allow for these sufferings. Um, and you're like, on the face, you could be like, okay, well, maybe these were maybe these don't but i don't know it just you know it could just be that and we're left 50 50 or something like that but then i think when you get on to all these other arguments and uh, personal experience and such it just it seems like the evidence for god's existence is just so much greater than the evidence against god's existence um so that's kind of the way i kind of think about this
0: yeah i do I, I agree with that completely and that's pretty much what i turn back to is uh mm-hmm. i think frank turk's the one well i mean i'm sure somebody else has said it before but Frank Turk for me is the one that just kind of made it famous is when he said that, you know, evil is kind of like the sun shining. I don't know if you've ever heard him talk about that, how you can have good without evil. but You can't have evil without good. It's kind of like the sun mm-hmm. shining. You can have the sun shining without shadows, but you can't have shadows without the sun shining. And so I can always go back to that. So the first mm-hmm. time I saw you, like I said, was on, uh, you were doing an interview with Germania and he, he was and i was actually watching it live when y'all were doing it and i don't know if you could have seen my comments but i was commenting all <laughs> i don't think all. i was following along too much oh but yeah. yeah yeah i was i was commenting all along <laughs> then. but he had mentioned evolution and you mm-hmm. said that you were open to the idea of evolution mm-hmm. my my question what i was trying to ask on the youtube video then was is in what retrospect are you talking about evolution like as in mm-hmm. humans evolving from stardust like? macro evolution or are you talking about micro evolution where basically a chihuahua can become a wolf
1: yeah um well i would say i'm open to like um like macro evolution i guess you would call it where um you know like it's just kind of like what like a like a um someone like a full-fledged person that would hold the theory of evolution would hold like i'm open to it um obviously i think there's a lot of like weird questions and things like on the scientific frame where i don't really understand uh where it's like how do we get um different species from like original species and i'm kind of like at that point i'm like well i'm just not a biologist and i haven't studied these things so i don't really know um so let's see my position on the evolution is like well if they came out tomorrow and they had this like undisputable proof that um like macro is the real deal it's done it's sealed it wouldn't really change anything for me um maybe it'd be me may- rule out some like interpretations of like maybe like Genesis or something. Um so in that sense I'm open to evolution in terms of like it wouldn't really change like my faith at all. Um uh, but then in terms of like the science of it, I just really don't know because I haven't studied it and it could just be a bunch of hogwash and I'm missing out on that. But I just I don't know. Um so that's kind of like my position on evolution. I hope that helps you.
0: Yeah I got it. I got it. Um I guess I just uh I I agree with micro evolution. I just don't see how ever that, and I mean, and I'm not a scientist at all, but Mm -hmm. the way I look at it is if I could let this dog live for ten million years, I just don't see how this dog would ever turn into a cat or a bird or a different kind of creature. Now, I think it could stay a canine and maybe just evolve, but it'll always be a canine. That's just Mm -hmm. mine and I think it was Michael Behe. I think it was Michael Behe that said that uh, he did a lot of research into epigenetics and he was saying that it's impossible for it to, to go down so far. So Mm -hmm. he was like, there's no way with their macroevolution could ever actually happen because epigenetic information can only go so far in DNA. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: so I'm just like, well,
1: yeah, it's interesting. There's a lot of, um, things that are just kind of mysteries um and i think if you're going to be an atheist and follow that through evolution is kind of like the only cards you have left in terms of like explaining human origin um so it's an interesting topic to think about for sure
0: yeah in fact uh, i'm in the middle of writing a book and i cannot pronounce these people's last names i i still have to look at it to to read it but it's a husband and a wife and and they're uh teachers at some college and in my book i wrote down what they said because they literally believe that everything that we know as the universe could be basically like a 14 year old science fair project on another galaxy or another universe Mm -hmm. and i'm just like okay that's some really good sci-fi movie i can Mm -hmm. i'll roll with that i love sci-fi movies i'm like but I can't sit there, you know, and and follow that along and be like, no, no, I'm Mm -hmm. not part of a science fair program. I'm not, but it's a total another discussion with these people. (laughs) Like I could probably write an entire book about these two. They have the craziest ideas. Mm -hmm. Like they literally, I think in one place they said that the stardust that made us with the left hand could be different, the total different star that's on my right hand. And I'm like, I mean, to me, that just sounds so far out there. I'm like, that just takes so much faith to believe that when you don't have proof of it. You know, that just takes so much more faith than just to sit there and say, somebody designed this. I mean, it's that simple. To me, it is, at least. Mm -hmm. But have you personally ever had, like, any kind of uh, training, any college or anything in, like, apologetics, theology, philosophy, cosmology, anything?
1: Um, I have not. Um, I mean, I go to a Christian college, so I've taken a couple like basic like theology or like, um, New Testament, or Old Testament studies classes. Um, but then not really in terms of like apologetic stuff. It's just kind of been, um, reading or interacting with like skeptics and stuff. Um, listening to YouTube videos or debates or podcasts or things like that. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of been a growth and something I just have kind of always done on the side. Um, so nothing professional yet, uh, maybe for grad school and such, but I mean, no, nothing professional, but it's just a lot of fun to think about. And I'm sure you'd agree, Richard.
0: Oh, I do. I do. I enjoy it quite a bit. Honestly, I'm constantly researching new stuff. And anytime I hear, and and it's, it's bad probably because I, I probably give a lot of atheists, a lot of YouTube views because I look up a lot of just random atheists and I just want to see what their arguments are, you know, what mm-hmm. they're trying to claim. And I usually go on there and start trying to comment and seeing if they want to debate or anything else and (laughs) just go from there but yeah yeah that's it doesn't matter you know how you learn it I just didn't know if you had any plans on being like uh the next John Lennox or Frank (laughs) Turek or
1: you know if you wanted to do pursue something like that in career or only the Lord knows. I mean, I'm open to it if the door is open. Um, so I don't I don't have a plan yet in terms of um, what's going to happen with my life. So it's just kind of trusting God and working my hardest at whatever I do. And we'll see what doors open. So who knows where we'll be 15 years from now.
0: Yeah, you actually remind me of the total opposite of Alex Connor. Do you know who that is? <laughs> yeah, the cosmic skeptic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, because y'all are both young and everything else. So for he goes this way, you go that way. Mm -hmm. So I was just kind of curious on where you were on that. So I know when you were on the YouTube video for Germania, he mentioned about his, and I laughed because for me, it's just crazy. It's it's disturbing almost that he was saying that Christians should support abortion because children are (laughs) innocent and babies are innocent and they're not sin. So let's just kill them. And I literally had told him, Just point blank, I'm like, so you're telling me that you're comfortable with taking all the babies and all children under the count of, uh, under the age of accountability, putting them in the middle of town square and just pulling the trigger, shooting them all in the head. Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, yeah, if if, if Christianity is true. And I'm just like, that's disturbing to me. I'm like, that's very disturbing. I'm like, because even as a non Christian, you know, and I got friends that are atheists, I got a lot of friends that are atheists. And not a one of them would be like, no, I'm not okay with killing babies or children. I mean, that's just not normal. And I'm like, exactly. That's not normal. But what is your stance on that? I mean, I'm just curious on what your stance was on it. Yeah. Because um, I I, was you, I ended up having to go off of the video because I was at work on my lunch break when I started watching
1: this. So
0: I had to like <laughs> yeah. take off and, and, and get back to work. But I never saw what your response was, but I did see him try to bring it up.
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's a really interesting question um because you know if if we're going to use like a free will defense for like the problem of evil then you kind of can like point to like the unborn and be like well then they don't get a chance to exercise their free will or something um i think one of the things is the question assumes that uh life's just like about escaping hell um but that's in a sense like yeah that's part of like um like being a christian and being salvation is like escaping death and like um knowing christ but the big thing is like in knowing, um, like becoming a Christian is about um, is experiencing a relationship with God and fellowship with Him. Um, like the Christian life isn't just about trying to like, oh, I place my salvation in Him, I'm free from hell and I'm done. Like that's just not like if you read like Romans six that's not what the Christian life is about. The Christian life is about um, entering fellowship uh, with God and things like that. So I think from like the beginning, it, the question is kind of um, has the wrong like idea kind of like about what the purpose of life is. Um, but Like even that being said, then you get into like things like, um, so let's say like if we accept like an Orthodox Christian belief that all the unborn who pass away or maybe like before the age of accountability, they they just go to heaven Um, and they just go to heaven and that's that. Um, So why don't we just kill everyone? Cause then everyone would go to heaven. Um, One interesting response to this is like the Molinist response um, where we'd say, well, God creates this world where he foreknows um, that every person that was unborn um, or dies before the age of accountability, these are people who would freely choose um, to follow christ um or follow god like if you're gonna like accept like general revelation or things like that If they're like in some remote tribe and they're like a miscarriage or something um so that's kind of like a, another way i kind of look at it is where it's like the mullens perspective like where um if that's really like every unborn person is saved i'd kind of think that like these are all people who would freely choose to go to heaven if um or to follow christ or follow god if they had the opportunity in this life so when we're killing them we're actually killing someone who would have been a follower of God. So I almost think it makes the problem even worse um, in terms of like killing them. So that's a couple of like thoughts I have on that really um, challenging question because I think it's a really important thing. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, the only the only response I could really come up with, honestly, was uh, a couple of them. And and my response was basically that, first off, you can't kill the image of God. I'm like, because I told him, i was like, if you're assuming the Bible is true, then that means you're a Christian and that you would know that you cannot kill the image of God. You know, and of course he brings up the fact of, well, God killed people. And I'm like, well, no, technically God can't kill people. See, because if he's the father of all of us, he just moves our location. He just either, you know, takes us to heaven or moves us to eternal hell. I was Mm -hmm. like, and, and I don't like to use the word hell anymore, but I do, I do. And I don't, I do because I think it scares people, but I don't, because when I tell people hell, they're like, oh, God sends people to hell. And I'm like, no, not technically. He just loves you so much. He lets you stay without him because you didn't want to be with him anyway. Yeah. But, uh, and I told him, I'm like, so when God takes a child's life or a person's life, he's just moving their location. I'm like, but he's their father. I'm like, it's just kind of like me going to one of my kids, which all my kids are grown now. But if I was to go to one of my kids' friends' house because they were staying the night, and I'm like, no, it's time for you to come home now. I can force my child to come home with me. There's nothing nobody can do about it. I was like, but now if I go to that same people's house and I try taking their child, I get arrested. I was like, it's kind of the same thing. You're not their father, you know? Nope. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ, but we're not their father or their mother, so I'm like, I can't tell them when it's time to go home. That's not my job. That's the father's job. And so that's the way I combated it. I don't know. I could be wrong. But that was just the way I saw it. But you're right. It is a challenging question. And it is a good question. But at the same time, to me, it's still disturbing because I'm like, oh, yeah. And I, I think I even told him at one point, I'm like, you do realize this is almost the same mindset as Adolf Hitler. I was like, Adolf Hitler said that. These people were a problem for society, so he got rid of them. You're just saying this is better for them, so let's get rid of them. I'm like, there's not much of a difference there, buddy. (laughs) I'm like, you might want to – and I I use that a lot. I tell people that a lot. When they say stupid things to me, and I told him, and I like him, and I'm not saying I like Armenia quite often, and I like the other guy I was talking to. Me and him still chat back and forth. But if you say something that's just idiotic or stupid to me, I'm going to tell you that's just the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And, you know, Gurmania, I mean, that's how me and him first started interacting was because of that video. And, you know, he was like, well, let me just explain my process. And he was trying to comment to me and I just interrupted him. And I'm like, there's, there's no explaining that, man. I'm like, you just <laughs> literally said you want to kill babies and children. No, <laughs> I'm like, I really hope a cop ain't watching this. I'm like, they might be arresting you soon. I'm like, that's crazy.
1: I think that, like, if I step into his shoes, um, I could understand, like, if for your thinking that life is just about escaping hell. Um, Maybe then if you just kill, like, the unborn or, like, young kids or something, then, you know, you're just helping them escape hell, and they don't have to, like, worry about that later. Um, but then I think it's just kind of like if if Gur ever became a Christian, um, you can understand that life is not just about escaping hell, but actually entering into fellowship with God. Um, and there's things like the Mullen's perspective to, like, this question where it'd be like, okay, well, this is actually something that's just obviously wrong. Um, and I don't think that, like – if he I don't think it'd take a very rare person to actually think that what like what's happening with something that actually should be done. I think it's kind of more like a point he tries to make instead of like something he would actually like hopefully something he would actually would do if he wasn't a, if he was a Christian.
0: I like that the way you brought that up though. That was pretty good. I'm gonna have to use that sometime about how <laughs> you're right. He's looking at it as in just heaven or hell, let's send them to heaven instead of seeing it as a relationship with mm-hmm. Jesus himself. I like that. That's a good point. I never <laughs> brought that up. Maybe I should bring that up sometime. That's a good one. I hope it so, is. It is. So uh, do you ever get approached about people that sit there and talk about slavery? Mm-hmm. Like how can yeah. we follow a God that condones slavery? So how do you approach that? Like I literally just did a podcast on it last week. but I'm just curious on how you're approached yeah. to that.
1: It's an interesting question because I think that we're starting in the wrong place um, when we're talking about, like, slavery, especially, like, regards to the Old Testament. Because I'll see this, like, I'll, I'll respond to, like, atheists and stuff on my TikTok a lot. And it's like, oh, well, the Bible supports slavery or something like this. And I just kind of wonder, like, why do we start there? When, like i think like in the christian life as a christian we start with christ um and you see someone who's fully man fully god walking the earth um and he says things like love the neighbor as yourself um he's the perfect sacrifice for our sins he does all these beautiful things so i'm kind of like when i think about these like, questions like slavery i just start with jesus and i'm like well what would jesus do and i'm not here to like undermine the old testament because i don't think that's true but i think we just do need to understand like as a christian um like it's about jesus like the questions about like is christianity true or does god exist and does jesus rise from the dead and i don't really see how slavery impacts either of those two questions in the old testament because it's not like i don't know and so i just like i think we start in the wrong place and it's kind of like you know it seems like it's like oh there's this easy point where we can go beat up the apologist and it's like i just don't i'm just like why are we starting there it doesn't seem relevant to like the questions we're asking because like worst case scenario um Let's say that there's this passage in the Old Testament, and you don't like how um, the slavery system worked or the servitude system worked, and you don't like it. Okay, well, if, if Jesus still rose from the dead, then it doesn't really matter if you don't like it because what's true is what's true, and we should prefer what's true over what we want to be true. Um so, like, there's that whole thing where I just think we're starting in the wrong place, and it's not really relevant to the whole, like, is just um discussion. But then, you know, there's, there's a lot of people like Paul Copan and um, great scholars that have done work on these questions, and a lot of these passages aren't really what skeptics make them out to be. Um, but, I mean, you know, there's things where we're like, well, what's going on here? And it doesn't make sense. Um, we also have to de- understand we're dealing with a culture um, 3,000 years before us. It's a lot different. The way they treated other people is a lot different um so there's a lot of things here but i just like overall i don't really see the relevance in terms of like um to the truth claims of christianity
0: yeah it's kind of funny because what i was uh what i was bringing up in my podcast was that uh you know basically you know the hebrew word for slavery back then was ebed ebed or pronounced eved, e v e d, and i was like you know i looked up the definition and it can mean servitude or slave it can mean other or mm-hmm. yeah and i'll tell people i'm like what's different really if you really boil it down to what did they do different then than what's going on now i'm like we're all servitude we're all servants to someone i mean if you have a job you're a servant that's just all there is to it you you do what they tell you to do when they tell you to do it and they give you pay for it i was like and in you know, a lot of people like to bring up They're like, Oh, well, right here it says that they can sell their slaves and buy slaves. And I'm like, well, if you watch sports, they do the same thing. Mm-hmm. They sell their players. They buy players. They have contracts over these players. These players just can't leave when they want. I'm like, there's really no different. I was like, the only thing is, is back then they didn't have players. They didn't have employees. They didn't have employers. They had masters and you know, they considered them slaves. I'm like, but I was like, it wasn't a slave, you know, it wasn't like the chattel slavery we know in America. I was like, it was Mm -hmm. servitude. I was like, a lot of it, actually, if, you know, in many places, at least one place, it says that, you know, a lot of times the servant wanted to stay with his master. So he stayed after his six years of, you know, service and everything else. But yeah, I just think it's ridiculous. And then like, I had this uh, one lady on Instagram, she was arguing the fact that, you know, she was saying that she wants to know why God never just came out and said, don't have slaves. It's wrong. Don't do it. And and like I told her, I'm like, what difference would that have made? I'm like, God said, don't murder. People do it. God said, don't commit adultery. People do it. You know, God said all these things, but we all do it. I'm like, so what What would it matter if he would have said it? I'm like, people, you would to get the same results, you know? And of course, she was talking about, you know, in America, how a lot of uh, Christians that were racist, that claim to be Christians, you know, would use the Bible to enslave, you know, African Americans. And I'm like, you can't blame God for the way people interpret it. I mean, even if he said don't have slaves, I'm like, they could have found a way around that. You know, I mean, there's no, there was no stopping it, but it is what it is, I guess. Yeah so you know being a christian you have to believe in miracles because without miracles you wouldn't have the resurrection so Mm -hmm. when other religions where people bring up how other religions have miracles like why do they have miracles if they're not following the same god we're following
1: Mm. yeah have you ever had
0: had that approach before have you yeah somebody ever talked to you
1: it's an interesting question um I was talking with um, Ken Fish. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he, he does a lot of like healing like clinics and stuff like he's a healing person, but he also is like an Ivy League graduate. He's a really interesting guy. And I asked him about like, well, what do you think about like you you you'd claim the miracles have happened in your healing tours and, and what, what's or not um, like what about other religions and he's willing to accept. Yeah, I think these things happen in other religions as well. Um, so. I'm personally not against miracles and happening um, against other religion because I think we have to address it at a case-by-case basis. Like, are we talking about... Um... Muslim like being healed or like a Buddhist like experiencing like some sort of sense of the divine like what are we talking about because like when we're looking at like the resurrection we have this clear miracle where it's like well if this happens like um God raised Jesus from the dead then Christianity is true and like in Christ the atonement for our sins and such like this is a clear and obvious miracle like what it means um whereas like if there's like some miracle like among Muslims like what does this mean it just means to me like okay well there's this supernatural force um that kind of intervened and like well what if it's just a demon um because you know like there's christians you believe in demons and things like that um so that's why like with like arguments from personal experience and stuff i don't really know if i can get them to christianity because of like different experiences in other religions i just think they're really good evidence for like the existence of a god um so with, like in short with other religions i just kind of think that um sure it's totally possible that they happen um and it almost might be expected given certain interpretations of like christian theism um so i'm i mean i'm open to it i don't really see like unless like we're talking about like well there's here's this evidence that muhammad had this miracle that shows he's the final messenger of god or something like that like that'd be a little bit different than like um some healing happening somewhere if you kind of get what i'm saying
0: yeah yeah i agree i um i tell people all the time i'm like do other miracles happen and i really don't get that question a lot but when i do i tell them i do believe that uh People can perform miracles. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'm like, because even in the day of Moses, you know, when he was going to Pharaoh, I mean, they were doing the same Mm -hmm. things he was doing. Yeah. So I'm like, obviously, witchcraft is real. Obviously, you know, like, Mm -hmm. and when I say magic, I'm not talking about illusionist, you know, like David Copperfield. I'm talking about real magic. I'm like, yeah, it's real. I'm like, because I mean, the devil's the prince of the world. So yeah, he can do a lot of things here too. You know, if we
1: have miracles from other religions we're adding evidence to theism almost like if we have these like good reasons to think these miracles are happening in other religions. It may like give reason to question or think about Christianity, um, but it's adding evidential weight to theism. So I don't really know. Um, I, I, that's just kind of like my thoughts on that.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about that, but yeah, that's a good point because if, uh, if uh, these other religions, you know, if they're performing miracles, well, now you're just may given a stronger proof that there is something out there, you know, you know, atheists claim there's nothing out there. Well, you're claiming there's something because these other religions are doing things too. So what are (laughs) they doing? Yeah. So what do you think is the most prevalent evidence that Jesus of Nazareth was actually resurrected from the dead?
1: Yeah, this is an interesting question. Um, because I'm a lot more convinced by like the existence of God evidences than like the resurrection evidences. I don't know why, but I've just always been drawn to philosophy. So I think about them more. Um, I think just the person of Jesus, like I think about um, this idea that um, like at the center of Christianity, isn't just like another person or like a set of laws, but it's like God himself as a person. Like, it just seems like the most magnificent story you could come up with where you have um, God who creates the universe and um, allows for these evils to occur, but then he comes into the flesh and experiences these evils and these sufferings and. Um, and it's just, it seems almost like too good to be true, um, where we have this like beautiful story. So I almost think that's the good, the best evidence because I just. I just don't know how you make this up but then I then you know like we have these things like the disciples martyrdom or like the strong attestation of the authorship of the gospels or all these other kind of evidences like why why would you put the women as the first people to discover the tomb like we have all these other things that support this idea that the gospels are like historically reliable documents and it just seems like to me like I don't really see any other good like hypotheses about um kind of like contrary like explanations about how christianity kind of like grew like um like hallucinations or stolen body or all these things they don't don't seem to work the only thing that could seem to work to me is like a legend hypothesis but it seems like there's just too strong of attestation of the gospels and things like that for the legend hypothesis to be true um so a few different things i kind of threw i kind of cheated and gave you more than one um but that's kind of my thoughts
0: yeah that's my thing too i think um you know how we were talking about at the beginning you know like what's your greatest argument for God. And Mm -hmm. you were saying, well, there's many, it's all of it added up together. Exactly. For me, it's even almost, I got to have more evidence for the resurrection because it's harder to have evidence more, you know, evidence for the resurrection Mm -hmm. than it was to, prove that there is a god you know Mm -hmm. and then i'm like you i don't i don't just start off with the christian god i was like oh i'm just trying to get you to believe that there is a god and Mm -hmm. to me there's a lot more evidence to prove that there is a god before i can and even trying to prove christianity to not to this day i mean there's a lot of evidence but most of it is eyewitness testimonies Mm -hmm. and circumstantial evidence you know and yeah, we don't have as much strong evidence as with just believing in God Himself. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm with you on that one. So here's a here's the tough question. This one's, and, and I, I'm not going to lie, I steal from Frank Turek on this one because it's the mm-hmm. best explanation I've ever heard. I just want to know if what you do, how do you explain the Trinity? Yeah, when you're talking to people, how do you Definitely. explain that?
1: not an easy question it's hard to like you got to be so careful talking on this because I don't want to like dive into heresy um because it's a it's a challenging question um I think what I start with is this idea that there's no contradiction um so you know like we have the basic doctrine of the trinity where we have one god but then we have the three divine persons father son um holy spirit and what I kind of think about is okay are these is this just logically possible um, so I think when I look at the Trinity, I'm like, well, it doesn't violate the law of identity or non-contradiction um, or the exclusive middle. Like, so I think it's logically possible that we have this kind of like Trinity. Um, and then from there, we can kind of get into like, well, what does this all mean? And like social Trinitarianism or group, Trinitar- group Trinitarianism. And I just really have no idea. Um, so it's just kind of like one of these things where I'm like, OK, well, it's just it's logically possible. Uh, but then, like, how do we get further and explain, like, why is God a trinity? Well, I mean, like, there's things like ideas such as, like, perfection. But at the end of the day, I really, I don't know. It's just, it's it's almost like a mystery to me. Like, I think there's just really good reason to believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And we get into this idea of the trinity. And I think it's almost just a mystery. Um, even though there are people, like, I had an interview with Chad McIntosh. Um, who's done a lot of work on this. And he thinks we can get to the trinity through natural theology, which is really interesting. Um, so i don't know i don't know how to explain it i just think it's i think it's logically possible and then from there i don't know it's not my job to have to explain every single inch of christian dogma to you
0: yeah no i'm the same way and i get a lot of people that comment on a lot of my videos and everything else and really when it boils down to it you know they're just looking for me to persuade them instead of
1: i almost wonder like Okay, so let's – like if we're talking with a Muslim, it would be a little bit different than talking with, say, like an atheist about um, the Trinity. Okay, so like if we're talking with a Muslim, it would be a little bit trickier because, you know, like we both believe God exists. But if we're going to follow atheism all the way through, we're going to have to say, okay, so we have these kind of like oppies like brute facts where we have like this certain amount of energy – um, or matter that's shaped in this particular way. And that's just necessary. And it's a brute fact. And you know, there could have been one more, there could have been one less um, units or particles or whatever, but it's just a brute fact. And you can't explain that. Um, so naturalism has its own kind of like brute fact where it can't explain. It's just like, okay, well, this is necessary. Um, or maybe if you want to say the infinite regress route, you could say, okay, well, the universe is past infinite. Um, and that's just it. Well, it's like, okay, well, there's no explanation for that. So it seems like, at least for like the naturalist, they're going to also have this point where they can't explain something um so i think like we can't just stop it like well the christian can't explain something so we just need to get rid of christianity like i just i, I don't know i just don't really think that works
0: i can hear you now yeah i lost you there right right. for a second okay everything kind of froze but
1: no you're back oh, no. Good to hear so, we're back.
0: so have, have you ever heard like atheists you know like argue the fact of uh, uh morals objective morality mm-hmm. so do you think that most atheists and this is just your opinion i know you can't speak for atheists but the ones that you have talked to and know do you think deep down they honestly do believe in objective morality but they just don't like to claim it because they know that's more evidence for god
1: Mm -hmm. yeah it's an interesting question um because i think there was a phil paper the phil paper survey that was done where they interviewed like all the philosophers it was like 10 or 15 years ago and it was like only like 15% of philosophers were theists, but over 50% were moral realists, where they like, you know, like things like um, the Holocaust are subjectively wrong, regardless of like what individuals like you and me think about it. Um, which is really interesting, because it seems like there's a pretty, there's a good consent, there's a very solid group of people, including atheists, at least in philosophy, that are moral realists and think that things are really wrong. um So I think that most atheists, like, I don't want to like put words into their mouth because that's you know I, I just I don't want to avoid that. But I think most people would agree that there's at least there's this very strong intuition with regards to morality. Like it just, it just seems intuitively obvious that things like rape or murder are just wrong. Um, so it's just, it seems intuitively obvious, and I don't think many people would deny that. Um, and how do we get to like moral realism? Well, if like we're going to follow naturalism all the way through. I really don't know how we get there. Like there's people like Eric Williamberg that would defend like a naturalistic picture of objective morality, um, but I just don't know. So, I mean, I think that very strong intuition's there, but I think a lot of these atheists are like, well, okay, if I'm going to follow naturalism all the way through, I don't know how we get to there being objective morality. But, I mean, I think the intuitive force of it is very evident, um, if that kind of answers your question. So – in your opinion, do you believe the entire Bible is true
0: and is the authoritative word of God, like the
1: entire yeah, thing? Yeah, I think that like when we interpret the Bible correctly, um, yeah, it's the authoritative word of God, and whatever it teaches is true. And the key is interpreting it correctly. Um, so, yeah, short, short answer there. Yeah, I think I think I'd agree there.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. Though it's the way, as long as it's interpreted correctly, and mm. I think that's a, a thing. Even with a lot of Christians, I think that's something that is what's really going on with a lot of Christians is that they will read the Bible for face value for what it's worth, but not none of them actually study it. They never actually study it. And and I'll, I've always loved to study it. You know, I, like I got a degree in theology from the Gordon Conwell uh, Seminary. I've, I've gone through Biola for apologetics. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, and I'm still learning things. Like, there's things I still learn on a daily basis. That's why I keep researching and everything else. But I just think it's amazing how many people don't actually study. You know, like, and to me, it's like when you come across a verse that you're just like, well, that sounds really wrong of God to do that. That don't sound like he should be doing that. Mm -hmm. Well, then, you know, that's when you should start reading it and start trying to study it. And it's natural, either Hebrew or greek or aramaic you know however it's, whatever it's written in and and learn what it said because when they translated all this a lot of the times they just picked the word that they knew best at the time in fact me and my wife we do a bible study twice a week just me and her and uh we we just talked about uh oh man what was it oh when jesus was saying uh uh kingdom will rise against kingdom nation will rise against nation and uh and he was talking about you know the end world like some of the signs that will be coming and she says "Well, well that's exactly where we're at you know nation against nation i'm like actually we've been there for a while and mm-hmm. and I was, I was trying to explain to her i'm like "See, so you got understand i'm like back in the day when this was written they didn't have countries you know they were they were you know kingdoms that's what they mm-hmm. were and and I was telling her, I'm like, nation was actually meaning race. That's the actual word that was meant there was race. And I'm like, so if you think about it, we've been race against race, you know, every, I mean, since I was young, you know, of course, now, of course, everything just gets worse and worse. And everybody has this, you know, I'm offended by everything mentality, but, but, you know, even back in the, you know, 50s, 60s and before, you know, there was race against race. Mm -hmm. and i told her i was like why do you that's why it says nation i was like because nation is just short for nationality that's what it's trying to say i'm like but now when it's talking about kingdom that's like the u.s against china russia you know those are kingdoms i'm like so and it's just and i'm not saying that's a big thing but it's just little things you know i'm like people need to study it because they don't they just misinterpret it and and like uh, people just don't understand that you know, when this all this was written, I mean, basically where we get our Bible from is is from the Septuagint, or I don't even know how to pronounce it right the Septuagint, Septuagint yeah. There we go. Very and confusing I was like Greek word. Yes, it is. And I told her, I was like, I was like, but I was like, the number of books we get come from the Masoretic text. And so I was trying to explain to her which each one comes from. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's what separates the Jews from Christians and everything else. But all of a sudden, I was like, you gotta think how long ago that was written? I was like, they didn't have half the words we have nowadays. I'm like, you're trying to use first century world words in a 21st century world. You got to translate it. You know, you got to do yeah. a lot of studying. And I'm like, you know, people, people don't take a math, don't read a math book and be like, I'm ready for the test. <laughs> oh, you study yeah. it you know you have to study these kind of things and when it comes to your salvation i just think that i'm like really you don't want to study that i mean (laughs) you should really want to study this yeah anything you study this should be the best thing you study Mm -hmm. okay let's see what was my next question so what do you think the best way to approach an atheist is about jesus because i have this issue because like i said i'm very blunt and i'm forward and i Mm -hmm. think a lot of times i come across wrong to people and i'm not trying to Mm -hmm. and i obviously don't want to push them away from god you know yeah that's not what i'm trying to do but Mm -hmm. i really i honestly don't i don't have like a good way to approach them without it sounding like i'm attacking them
1: i think it's tricky um because it's so hard like I've noticed to myself like we're in the midst of like a heated debate with an atheist, and like all we're trying to do is think you know, like pr- disprove their point and like debunk their argument. Duh, 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 duh. Um, but I really like Josh Rasmussen's approach to this, where it's not like he approaches it where like when we're engaging with like an atheist or a skeptic, like to like it's so easy to get into this idea of like it's me versus them, but it's almost like it's gotta be like me and them. Like like I almost hope that like like when i'm engaging with an atheist it's almost like hey we're in this together we should both be seeking truth like you know like we shouldn't just be here to prove the other person wrong but actually like enter into a conversation where we're trying to learn from each other and really try to figure out like what's true um so i think that's the best approach i mean the atheists that i've encountered have always as far as i know thought that i've had good conduct so i think it's just about keeping an open mind um and just be willing to seek truth with them and just like exploring these ideas together um i think it's hard to like in like one debate or one conversation to convince someone that god exists or that jesus rose from the dead um i'm working on my thesis on c.s lewis and like it took him a long time to get from well there's no god to okay there might be a god to there's a god to um christian theism like it took a long time so I almost think like in these conversations it should be about trying to like work together to like maybe make a new discovery even if it's like a very minimal thing. Um so it's really hard cuz like when you're in the thick of the debate it's like oh, I got to get this other guy and prove him wrong. And I'm guilty of that so many times. Um but I mean like trying to almost make it like we're working together is probably my preferred way of going about it. Um if possible. If I can try to remind myself to do that. So yeah.
0: Yeah, I think my biggest problem is is like I don't know how long I have with this person. Mm -hmm. So I want to get out everything I can. Mm -hmm. And then it's, you know, after I'm done, I sit back and I think I'm like, I should never brought up like any of this other stuff because there's no way they're going to remember everything I just said to them. I'm -hmm. like, I should just kept with one thing and stayed with it until they changed the conversation. Mm -hmm. But I think that's my biggest problem personally. I think I just...
1: yeah, I get I'll get messages and emails from people, and they'll just be like eight different points, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how do we start this? And like instead of getting these massive email threads, I'm like okay, let's just take this one issue at a time and look at this one specific thing. And I've always found that to be a great approach um, when when addressing these questions.
0: So even when they come to you with like eight different questions, you just try to stick to one or two of the bigger mm-hmm. ones. And-
1: yeah. Mm -hmm. I try to be like, Hey, let's, I'm willing to work through you with all these, but let's just look at it one at a time and slow it down. It's kind of my preferred approach. Um, so yeah. Right.
0: So obviously like I, like I said, I got kids. I don't know how old you are, but my youngest is like 23 years old. She just turned 23. Um, my oldest is 30, but anyways, what I've come to notice is that atheists and nowadays, like the younger generation atheists, and I'm just saying my opinion, to me, it doesn't seem as if they don't believe in God. It's really as if they just hate God, but yet they want to claim atheism. They're like, oh, I'm atheist. I don't believe in God. But yet when they you know, they make stated questions, it's like, eh, you really sound like you really hate this guy. And it's kind of like what Frank Turk said about uh, Christopher Hitchinson. I don't know if you ever saw their debate, but like at the end of the debate, he said, you know, basically what you're saying is, I don't believe in God, but I hate him, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's exactly how these younger generations are like a lot of I'm not saying all of them, but mm-hmm. a lot of them I'm like, yeah, I sound like y'all are just hating God because I watch a lot of the YouTube videos like I said, and most of them aren't atheist against Muslims, atheist against you know this religion Buddha uh you know any other religion it's really towards the christian god a lot of mm-hmm. it and i'm like i don't know if it's just because we live in america you know and that's just america well you know, america used to be a really big christian nation i don't know what it is now but it just seems like to me they they hate god no it's not so much that they don't believe in us
1: yeah i mean it's a difficult question um because every person is different and every atheist um, has their own story and they're, they're a person, they have their own reasons for rejecting um, Christianity or what's and not. Um, I think it's probably commonly like Christianity is commonly addressed because that's the predominant like religion in like the West. Um, but then like with like my personal experience, like I'm thinking about like my friends and the people I know um, with my generation that are atheists, um, I think it's what they view Christianity as almost – and I think it's almost. I think it's a rejection of. I think it's like they might might not like Christian morals. Like they don't want to follow Christian morals. I think that's definitely a part of it. But it's like what they see Christianity as. And they almost see it as like this tool that was used to control people. Like um, you know, like LGBT rights is a really big big thing right now. And it's like, well, well, this really like re- religion is just something that people use to try to control these people. Um, so it's not really rejecting it for like the truth value of it. It's rejecting it because they think of it as just this tool that people used. Um. And we should just do whatever we want um, or something along these lines. So I don't, I mean, obviously every person is different. Um, And I think like the person that's like consuming like YouTube atheist videos will have a more robust version of atheism than like the random person off the street that just doesn't believe. Um, So I think there's definitely those people out there that just hate God. But I think there's just people that think that maybe, you know, religion is just something that was used to control people um, or something along those lines. um, Missing the mark of what Christianity is supposed to be. So it's tricky because, you know, there's what, like a billion atheists out there and each person has their own story. Um, So it's kind of like the general thoughts on this challenging question.
0: Yeah, it is. And uh, I mean, the only
1: thing I could come up with, and I could be totally
0: wrong with this, but the only thing I could come up with is just, and nowadays, it's like everything's a cancel culture, like. Mm-hmm. You, you can't tell people anything what they're doing is wrong anymore or you're going to face backlash, getting sued, going to jail, you know, for anything that you speak up against. And I think to me, that's what, is, what I think is atheism is kind of on the rise because they're like, well, I don't like people telling us what to do.
1: And so, you know, I also think, is- yeah, mm-hmm. I also think that there's been a lot of non believers throughout most of history. Like you know, like up until like twenty or thirty or forty years ago, like you couldn't really come out and be an ex-Christian because of like the deep ties of like the Christian religion throughout society. Um, like if you look at like the medieval period, like there's a lot of people that just are living like people that live today in terms of like not being Christian, sleeping around or what's or not. Um, like I've been reading this book about like Renaissance Rome, and it's it's a mess. Um, so I think this like. Culture of like non belief and wanting to do stuff has always been around. But I think now, within the past like 20 or 30 years, like atheism's been destigmatized and it's like, oh, you're not a like, you know, like if you said that maybe like the 1970s, like if you're if you're an atheist, well, you're a communist. Um, and that was kind of like the way it was. But now it's like, okay, well, you can be accepted and be an atheist, which is the way, like obviously, like to the atheist that might be listening, is like, I disagree with you on so many things, but you should be accepted. Like we shouldn't like force you to like hide in the corner and not say anything, um, just because you're an atheist. So just kind of my thoughts. Sorry to interrupt there.
0: Oh no, no, you're good. I uh yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And and honestly, I tell people all the time, I'm like, to me, the, the reason there's so many atheists is we got to blame it on ourselves. You got to blame it on the Christians mm-hmm. because yeah. like you were saying, I want to say up to about 30 or 40 years ago, see before then Christians were constantly speaking about God in the public everywhere. They went talking about him and just going around. Mm-hmm. But then it was like, I don't know what happened 30 or 40 years ago. But it's like, Christians are like, oh, we better just huddle in the church and let's just keep God in the church and, you know, and everything else. And then all of a sudden now the church is wanting to come, you know, the people want to come out of the church and they're like, where did all these atheists come from? And I'm like, well, there's nobody been around to tell them anything different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, y'all have been, we've been hiding with their head in the sand in the church, mm-hmm. you know? I'm yeah. like, so we have no one to blame but ourselves. That's mm-hmm. just my opinion. Yeah. So all right well our time here is about up so is there anything else that you would like anybody to know about you and if you want you can i'm going to put your uh youtube channel uh if any kind of social media platforms i'll put it down at the bottom because i'm going to do this on youtube and it's going to go on my podcast as well it's going to go on both so i'm going to do both but is there anything else you'd like anybody to know how to find you anything
1: yeah i mean i appreciate your time it's been such a fun conversation talking about so many important things um and if you just like want to follow like my content and stuff you just look up at here in apologetics whether it's on like youtube or podcast or um instagram facebook twitter whatever um be sure to follow along and we're just gonna seek truth and ask big questions and uh just all for god's glory so thank you so much for having me on it's been a lot of fun man it's been great having you honestly
0: uh, i really liked your answer some of them got me really thinking i'm like i can use a lot of time I mean, I'm 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 an older man, but uh, I'll admit when but, you know if somebody has a good idea, I'm like that's a good idea. I don't care how old you are. You're I'm not that old, Dior. you know. I'm not that young. Tomorrow's my birthday. Happy so, 25th
1: birthday, 30th birthday.
0: That sounds, that sounds good. That sounds great. <laughs> that sounds great. I wish my my health said the same. <laughs> but uh, no, it was great talking to you. But right. you have a good one, buddy. I appreciate talking to you. Thanks a lot. Yeah. For sure, have a good one. Goodbye. Uh-huh. Bye-bye.